Ah, oh, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I've lived through the Black Plague and had a pretty good time doing that. I've seen The Exorcist about 167 times and covered it on my movie podcast. Haven't seen it. Beetlejuice is coming up next. Haven't seen it with Tim Sestito and Tommy Tevenay. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where one of us is watching a movie for the very first time. And today that is myself. Yeah, I feel like I had seen bits and pieces of Beetlejuice when I was very little. I was actually talking with my dad about this, like, oh, what movie are you doing this week for the podcast? And and I was like, yeah. Beetlejuice. He was like, I hate that movie. My dad does not like the movie at all. And I was like, oh, that explains why I never really saw Beetlejuice. I mean, I, I can't even give you shit because I only saw this movie about like a year ago, um, like in 2021. So like a year and a half ago at this point. So I was a late bloomer to this too. I can give you a lot more shit for the gaps in your movie knowledge than in my movie knowledge. Let's be honest. Only horror you can really shit on me for. Oh, wow. No, I, there's other stuff I can shit on you for. So, I mean, we we figured out. I've given you some non-horror ones uh, here and there. <laughs> that's that's fair. I guess this is one of them, technically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was fun. Fun movie. Fun little Tim Burton flick. Uh, we'll dive into that more. But, Tommy, did you watch anything? This past week, it's uh, worth noting. Yeah, I guess I'll mention what I did last night. Uh, so last night in uh, Jersey City, I went to go see Rock and Roll High School, the Ramones movie from the 70s, directed by uh, Alan Erkish, who apparently, during the Q- he was there during the Q&A, the director, and the Ramones tour manager was there too. But Alan Erkish said that he apparently was almost up for uh, Beetlejuice himself back in the day. So when this movie was being uh, first shopped around, because Tim Burton didn't write this. Uh, but Alan Arkish also directed uh, some great classics like Caddyshack 2, which, you know, I don't know. Very classic. I already see that. But Rock and Roll High School is a really fun movie. I haven't seen that in uh, ages. It was really fun to be in there with uh, Ramon's audience and people. Yeah, it's it fun to be in for the audience that just knew everything about the movie. It was very hyped up and just, uh, you know, seeing all the antics. And I didn't realize that Joe Dante also wrote this movie and uh, yeah, was involved that. in the production. So, yeah. A little insane, because they're name-dropping Joe Dante a lot, the producer of the movie who also produced uh, Gremlins and Small Soldiers was there, too, talking about Joe Dante a ton during the Q&A section. So it was a really fun movie. I mean, it's been ages since I've seen it, and Ramones are awesome, obviously. And seeing just like PJ Souls from Halloween in this movie in the role is good. Clint Howard always, when he pops up, is a good thing. uh, It was fun. (laughs) Yeah, this is yeah that that sounds like a fun night. This wasn't the movie with Vincent Chase and Entourage, right? No, no, not at all. <laughs> okay, well, what did I watch this week? Well, Tommy, I'll tell you what. It was February twenty fourth, and Agent Cooper entered the town of Twin Peaks. And I know we're not yeah. a TV podcast, but I didn't watch another movie this week. I just started rewatching Twin Peaks and again. And this is like what your fourth or fifth rewatch at this point? <laughs> third rewatch. I've done introduction. Re- I've seen the pilot like five or six times because I think the pilot is legitimately the greatest television pilot ever made. But I haven't like I'm planning to do all of the original Twin Peaks and the return. Like that's what my plan is with this rewatch. 
I need I need to watch the return, but season two, like I tried watching season two and just fell off immediately. And you don't. Like, I can't handle. <laughs> Twin, Twin, all right, Twin Peaks season two is you watch until the death, and then you you like if you, if if James Hurley is involved or Leo Johnson is involved, you just kind of mm-hmm. like fast forward through it. Just like it <laughs> it holds Get no bearing. It. Yeah, it holds yeah. no bearing to the story whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, because it it hits a low point when they put Josie Packard. They like. Like, because David Lynch was off the show at that time, and like she gets mm-hmm. transformed into a drawer, and <laughs> that that was like, well, what would David Lynch do? What weird thing would he do? They'd put Josie in a in a drawer, and it's like, no. But it it like the quality declines, and then David Lynch is like, all right, you're murdering my baby, and he comes back, <laughs> and it slowly draws back to maybe one of the best. Like one of the craziest endings in on network TV you've ever seen. Okay, yeah, I mean you, you've been trying to sell it for me a lot. We we did see Fire Walk with me last year, which was a good movie, even though I didn't know all the context because it was a prequel. So, but well, it's, uh, it's like a prequel, but it's not a prequel. Yeah, um, I don't know personally. I know you're a big Lynch guy. I I'm not the biggest Lynch fan myself. But so what what just, have you seen of Lynch? Um, Twin Peaks at this point. I mean, I, I need to look up his other filmography, but it's just like have you seen a racer head, elephant man, blue velvet, no. wild no. at heart. So you haven't seen no. any David Lynch other than Twin Peaks. Yeah, and, and I'm mediocre on that. So I mean, I don't know. I, I get the whole dream like scenario and stuff like that, and like how the cinematography feels like that, but overall, I don't know. Maybe we need to cover some more David Lynch movies, which I know you've been wanting me to do Mulholland Drive for a while. <laughs> we will do Mulholland. So I'll put it to you this way. One of our guests, Connor Dowling, he was on the Karate Kid episode. I was hanging out with him over the summer and he just, we were watching a baseball game and he just turns to me and he goes, can we just watch Mulholland Drive right now? And I'm like, are you, are you, are you messing with me? And he was like, no, no. Like I, I want to watch Mulholland Drive. Like I want to see what it is. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. We can watch it. So we watched it. And he was like kind of lukewarm on it at first. And then mm. he goes, he said it was like a two and a half out of five. Mm. And then three days later, he calls me and he goes, I can't stop thinking about that movie. I can't stop thinking. Of, like, I just can't stop thinking yeah. about like the themes in that movie. Like, it's at least a four out of five. Like, it's a really incredible film. And that's somebody who has seen some David Lynch stuff. And it's not a, that's not his kind of movie. That's how powerful that movie is. It's a masterpiece. All right, yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to that. I mean, that's the one thing you always mention. I mean, Eraserhead had never seen two, and that movie's a movie I heard that's just like fucked up. Or, but or, or yeah, Eraserhead this is not my favorite, to be honest. No, no you're, you're okay, but um, I'm more on the uh, vein of Tim Burton as Mark, my technical director, or Wes Craven, who apparently was almost up for uh, Beetlejuice, which that probably would have been bad. <laughs> that would have been not yeah. good. No, yeah, no, I, love, this... I love Wes Craven, but he's not as creative as Tim Burton, so. This needed that wacky tone that's just present throughout. Like, this is just a goofball adventure with two ghosts is basically what this movie is. Um, So, this is Beetlejuice. From the director of Pee-wee's Big Adventure. When two ghosts can't talk the living into leaving their house. What's the good of being a ghost if you can't frighten people away? They call the ghost... Beetlejuice! ...with the most... Can you be scary? What do you think of this? This is amazing. Michael Keaton... ...is a ghost called Beetlejuice. I'm the ghost with the most, babe. Rated PG. Sneak preview Saturday, March 26th. Some Beetlejuice... This is one of the iconic Tim Burton films of the late 1980s. 
easily on the pantheon of his movies and just the best way of his style coming through. I think this is considered one of the most iconic ones. Mm. I think of this movie and I just think of like the modern Tim Burton stuff that's all done with CG and all that. And I'm like, uh, I think the CG that he ends up using to convey his style, like takes away from the, like the direction of photography, like the cinematography, like all these early Tim Burton movies are so well shot. Like that's where I want to start. Like the cinematography in this is like, breathtaking like it's really good cinematography in my well, opinion well, again yeah, the movie opens up with a huge shot of just like the whole town that the maitlands live in and it's just, just like a sweeping overhead shot and right there from the beginning so it's like all right you know what you're getting in for but i mean the special effects too i think are amazing this i mean they look schlocky but that's the whole point yeah I mean, it's uh, schlocky they... and silly but that's like the tone tim burton always goes for and then cg yeah. gives it that like realism that like like it, if this it movie really was shot. If this movie was shot with CG, it would not have the impact that it currently that it does have. Yeah. Well, the, uh, the effects budget for this movie is only like one million dollars, so like they didn't have that much to go off of. Um, but like, so that is why Tim Burton's like, I'm not gonna try to make this look realistic. Just make it look schlocky as possible. It's a tribute to all the B movies that he clearly loves. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you could definitely see where they were stretching the budget. Like at the very, very end, when uh, Beetlejuice is in the waiting room trying to get uh trying to cut the line and the guy next to him shrinks his head i was like oh that doesn't look very good <laughs> that, oh that... i don't know i don't know that, that worked for me <laughs> oh it worked. I, I didn't say it didn't work i'm saying it didn't yeah. look very good there's a yeah. distinct difference between that a movie that we will be talking yeah. about next week called cocaine bear that i saw that tommy is seeing and we will cover it has that kind of yeah schlocky it would has it where it's like some of the things in that did not work for me. Okay. And it yeah. either looked good or didn't look good. But we'll discuss yeah. that later. But I just Yeah, yeah. Cocaine Bear's on the mind. After you see Cocaine Bear, what are you what do you expect me to do? Not think <laughs> exactly. about Cocaine he, Bear. He, he, yeah, yeah. Like what do you want me to do? Not talk about Cocaine Bear. So I mean of you know, as a title character in this movie, Beetlejuice, I mean Keaton's only in this movie for what, like fourteen point five minutes, which was crazy to think about because you're thinking about him the whole entire time his presence is felt throughout this whole entire movie even though he's not he's not even the main character he's probably like the third or fourth most important character when it comes to the down to it <laughs> yeah but he brings a level of energy michael keaton this is i just i love michael keaton i think he's just a terrific actor mm-hmm. and i'm going to play when we first finally meet beetle juice Boy, do you know how to pick up? Let me ask you something. Is this relationship really solid? Do I have a shot at her at all? Excuse me. Sure. Am I overstepping my bounds? Just tell me. Come on. You know what's really beautiful about this? You two kids pick me. You didn't have to, but you pick me. It makes me want to kiss you guys. Come on. Come no. Give me one. Come on. Give me one. All right, let's get down to business. You're right. I got a card around here somewhere. Here, here. Who do I have to kill? Here, hold that for me, would you? There. Whoa! Ah, there you go. You don't have to kill anybody. Ah, possession. Good. Learn to throw your voice. Fool your friends. Fun at parties. <gasps> no, we just want to get some people out of our house. Ah, I understand. 
I understand. Well, look, in order to do that, I'm really going to have to get to know you guys. You know, we got to get closer. Move in with you for a while. Get to be real pals. You know what I'm saying? In... <laughs> Save that guy oh. for later. Huh? My wife and I would like to ask you a couple of questions. Sure, 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 sure. Go ahead, shoot. Well, for instance, uh, what are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I lived through the Black Plague, and I had a pretty good time during that. I've seen The Exorcist about 167 times, and it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it. Not to mention the fact that you're talking to a dead guy. Now, what do you think? You think I'm qualified? What I mean is, can you be scary? Oh, oh, I know they're asking me. Can I be scary? What do you think of this? <laughs> you like it? That performance by Michael Keaton is just so it's so electric. Yeah, and immediately he's bagging a hundred. I mean, this is the all-time heat check performance of any movie because, like, you, you, the main takeaway from this movie is just like how great Michael Keaton performance was. And this movie could have been disastrous if the wrong person was cast. Like Sammy Davis Jr. was the person that Tim Burton originally wanted to cast as Beetlejuice. <laughs> Sammy Davis <laughs> Jr. Oh my yeah. god. I kind of want to yeah. see that. I want to see the like the that would have been so awful. The screen, the screen test that Sammy Davis Jr. probably did for Beetlejuice. Yeah, <laughs> like how has that not? Well, I, yeah, yeah. This, I don't even know if he was able to get a screen test, but like I think Warner Brothers was like we're not fucking casting Sammy Davis Jr. in this movie. I mean, some other people that were apparently up for it. Uh, this is IMDb bullshit for all I know, but um, you know, apparently Dustin Hoffman, Robin Williams, who I think would have been good. And Christopher Lloyd also, Jim Carrey. I mean, all those guys would have been put a good spin up. I think Michael Keaton was the right choice. He's not really known as a comedic actor these days, but he honestly, like, especially in, that, in the heyday in the 80s, was just batting hunter, like Mr. Mom and stuff and stuff like this. When he's cast as Batman, people are like, why are you casting this comedic guy, not this dramatic actor instead or something? <laughs> yeah, but you can see the like the dramatic way that he's able to convey uh his comedic performance. Like it's not uh just some stand-up comedian that they got to be Beetlejuice. They got a guy that's a, clearly a terrific performer, like just in the way his like facial expressions, like mm. like you could tell he was having the time of his life as Beetlejuice. Yeah. <laughs> it's why he's like still like talking about the sequels like 30 years later. I mean, they've been trying to make Beetlejuice go to Hawaiian for years now. <laughs> yeah, at that point, just leave it in production hell. Just just leave it alone. It's it's that's gonna be just terrible. I mean, I can see them like you know dusting it off. They did announce last year that apparently they're going to try and redo the, um, or not remake it, but uh, do a sequel to it finally. And it was supposed to shoot this summer, but no words come of it since. And it's like okay, probably for the best because Tim Burton wasn't going to be involved either. So it's like I don't know. I don't know. At this point, is that really the worst thing in the world that Tim Burton's not involved? I mean, I don't know. I still think he uh, could put us a good output. I liked Wednesday. I mean, it was a fun little like uh, TV set show. <laughs> I guess he could, but his filmography post like Mars Attacks is pretty brutal. Big Fish is pretty good. Yeah, I mean, Corpse Bride's Corpse Bride's good too. I didn't see That's Corpse different. Bride, but Fun like yeah. the Alice in Wonderland stuff he did with Johnny oh, Depp. Yeah, no. Oh my god, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory! Yikes! Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we uh, we already covered that when we did Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but or Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, but yikes, terrible, yeah. terrible movie. So, oh, and there's also Wonka coming out with Timothy Chalamet. I I forgot we didn't even bring that up on uh, the Wonka episode, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, 
I I'm looking at franchise. <laughs> there, yeah, it, that one I I foresee a bomb in the future. Yeah, I don't know how many people are asking for the origin story of Wonka, but um. Anyways, this is the second Tim Burton movie we've covered this year. We covered Edward Scissorhands earlier this year. Timmy, which one would you say would you prefer? Because you would make a fan of Scissorhands. I would prefer Beetlejuice a hundred times out of a hundred. Um, I think Edward Scissorhands is a lot more of a character study where this is just like manic fun energy. Like this is a really fun movie. Like from opening scene to closing scene it's a good time the stakes aren't like there's stakes in the movie but it's not life or death stakes like it's not super serious yeah um, and it's, it just it's not plot heavy the, and it maintains that tone the entire way through um and like we were even saying before we were like there's not like like there's really great performances in this there's great jokes in this there's great sequences in this this movie does have a ton of like beef to talk around with the story because it's, it's mm. as we said it's not really plot heavy and it's not really it's not ultra character heavy either it's just like a fun wacky movie Wha- yeah wacky antics and like a you know, crazy shit let's see michael keaton do this i mean michael keaton is playing such a goddamn whore dog in this movie which is just a hilarious character trait <laughs> of him yeah. just like tr- him just trying to go after like fucking like lydia who's like a 16 year old girl so like, oh jesus juice <laughs> The juice will get canceled now. <laughs> juice has the juice, baby. <laughs> Beetlejuice, 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 baby. That's all you got to say. Oh, my God, he's here. Oh, fuck. Oh, shit. shit. Ah, guys, what's going on? <laughs> oh, hey. Where's, where's the baby? Where, ooh, hey, you got a lot better than I do. <laughs> is your relationship going good? Oh, hey, yeah. Ooh, come on down. Oh, yeah. Well, I got to get married. Come on over. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I should have done the, I should have done the opening. Yeah, well, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, um. The window writer of this is fucking hilarious. I mean, she plays like the stereotypical like goth girl uh, of everything. Yeah, this is what people think of. <laughs> Was but, she a um, girl in this movie, Tommy? Um, no, because um, but yeah, she was fucking cool in this movie. So Winona Ryder just like had that style. You can see why he brought her back for Edward Scissorhands like right after and everything like that. But um, I just love like how stereotypical some of her lines are, where she's like. Well, you know, people that can see ghosts are only strange, unusual people, and I'm a strange, unusual person. <laughs> like, Speaking Jesus of, Christ. Tommy, you're doing a great job setting me up here, man. Out of my wits. You're not gross. Why are you wearing sheets? We're practicing. You can see us without the sheets. Of course I can see you. Well, how is it that you see us and nobody else can? Well, I read through that handbook for the recently deceased. It says... Live people ignore the strange and unusual. I myself am strange and unusual. You look like a regular girl to me. You read our book. Yeah. You could follow it. Yeah, why were you guys creeping around in Delia's bedroom? We were trying to scare your mother. Stepmother. Anyway, you can't scare her. She's sleeping with Prince Valium tonight. That's such a great line. She's sleeping with Prince Valium tonight, just like taking a shot at her mom. Um, yeah. I, I've also noticed with Tim Burton's movies, they it's a weird message that he always puts on to capitalism because the plot of the movie is essentially um, Adam and uh, Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis. What's Gina Davis's character's name? I have it written down here, but oh my God. I, Barbara and Adam Madeline. Were you aware that uh, Gia Davis was in this movie when you booted this up earlier? What? 
Were you aware that Gene Davis was in this movie? When you oh, up? no. I was like, oh, we're How pleasant a surprise was this? You're like, oh, fuck I, yeah, Gina I Davis. Love Gina, I love up. Gina Davis. I'm like, we're on a Gina Davis heater. We got to find somebody that hasn't seen a, a league of their own to get to her uh, to get What's to her masterpiece. We saw her in? <laughs> she was in Tootsie. I was like, oh, one yeah, of her first, she, she's one of her first performances. Yes, we've had just like a great month of you and like your all-time celebrity crush right here. <laughs> so one of them. Like, yeah, oh, for sure. I'm... Gina, if yeah. you're listening, hit me up. Yeah, slide so. in those DMs, baby. I'm sure. I'm um, sure. I'm sure you want to. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I mean, I love um, just to go back to our note real quick. Like, I just love some of the quotes she had, where she says, "Like, my whole life is a dark room, one big dark room." And it's just like, can you be any more of an angsty goth? Like, for fuck's sake, with no writer. It's just like the perfect like Tim Burton character right there. Just like the very quirky and like weird goth character that he just loves to go back to over and over again. <laughs> he does love that character, but I, I was saying like. Um, Adam and Barbara die and they're basically restrained to their house and they have to learn how to spook people out of their house is the plot mm-hmm. of the movie. And mm-hmm. Jeffrey Jones and Catherine O'Hara, who Catherine O'Hara, she's just, she always bats a hundred too when she's performing. Yeah. She's so good. Um, mm-hmm. And Jeffrey Jones, we don't really, you know, we don't talk about him these days. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, hasn't, he, he hasn't been in much for a reason, for some specific reason. I don't know exactly what, Oh wait, because he's, in the Kevin Spacey camp of sexual assault, but he, uh, like they are business people that are moving out to the boonies of Connecticut just to get away. And when they discover the house is haunted, their idea is like, well, we can sell this as an idea. And that's one of those like overlying themes I've noticed in these early Tim Burton movies, especially between Edward Scissorhands and now this it's, about like turning the weird and unusual into a business like how can we capitalize on this financially yeah over and over and over again (laughs) but it's a weird examination into capitalism because he doesn't necessarily draw it in an ultra negative light but it's it's always there and it's always prominent and i imagine for him as an artist it must kind of feel like that like working in the hollywood system of like you want to put your weird unique ideas out there but you also have to make money while doing it. So if you go way too far, you're never going to get an audi- like a big enough audience to get a huge box office. Yeah. <laughs> and then if it's boring, it doesn't do well at the box office either. And it's kind of toying that line. And like, that's where I think for him personally, that comes from. And like, you just seeing more and more of his early stuff, like even Ed Wood, which is my favorite Tim Burton movie. That's part of it too, is like, the junk that Ed Wood is making and like him getting like laughed at by Hollywood executives and stuff. Like it's not as prevalent in that story as it is in this story, but it, it, it the theme always kind of lingers around and like, how can we make the world profitable? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean like you can definitely feel that like um, the Renard Ryder character is pretty much just like the Tim Burton stand-in character where like, he's just the one that's like, so fucking pissed off at like her parents or her parents in this case are fucking like yuppies and just like you know a uh, big high society types and stuff like that immediately thinking of the dollar bill immediately so it's just like you definitely feel a lot of the lines that like uh Renault Ryder says is just shit that probably Tim Burton says to himself all the time where it's just like my room's dark constantly my heart is dark or something like that. just like angsty listen to the cure type shit <laughs> oh definitely I could I definitely feel like yeah that character is just the Tim Burton stand-in uh, yeah, <laughs> via Winona Ryder. Um, yeah. but Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis, they are kind of our guides throughout this entire world. Um, mm. as they are just like you know, simple country folk 
who like making model houses and stuff like that, and they do not know how to be good. Oh, well, I thought that was a, they're on a vacation. Or, I, I, yeah, no, I they live in they live in the house. They were doing a stay at home vacation. That is their house. There, I yeah, okay, I, I guess so. Yeah, but um. I mean, I, I do like both of them. I think they have a good uh, chemistry right here, Gene Davis and uh, Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin apparently hates his performance on this movie and just does not like this movie. He thought he did like a terrible job. Well, I think of a lot of Alec Baldwin performances, and they're usually like quote unquote alpha male kind of things. And like he definitely does not come off that way. He kind of comes off like a bumbling idiot, and he doesn't. He's normally... kind of a square. Yeah, and so like I think for himself, he just hates that he's seen in that light. And he does a good job, yeah. I th- I personally think. But it he I could definitely see him hating himself in that light. And then he said that uh he thought his career was gonna end with this movie. That's like how much he hated this movie, where he's just like, oh god. <laughs> well, there was a recent movie that ended Alec Baldwin's career. Um yeah, yeah, exactly. Another thing we don't talk about that much. You know, he just realized that like Michael Keaton was the reason that this movie worked, but he was just like, Jesus, I mean, they talk about self-assured fucking jackass, but whatever. <laughs> Yeah, but like the, that's like who Alec Baldwin is. He's self-assured jackass, but that's like that's his charm, you know, pre when he shot the director of photography on some movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Pre that. Uh like I love him as Jack Donaghy in 30 Rock. Like I think that's like his best performance. And obviously, um his 10 minute uh, coffee is for closers and Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Like, what a performance! All timer, right there. <laughs> all, t- all time one. Talk, and- talk about heat check. Yeah, that's a that's a true heat check. And yeah, but yeah, they they have this chemistry and this like it's they're they're simple people and they're getting people that move in that are city people again. It's that clash of like the city versus the suburbs who are coming in and like they change the house completely from like this cute cottage into this like weird mo- like modern tim burton's crazy set design um well it's like you know i thought lydia was the only one in the family that was a goth but like fucking like uh catherine o'hara decorates the house so just like a goth fantasy of just like everything's gray and like grim and to compare it was like colorful before <laughs> It's yeah. like you can see where Lydia gets it from. <laughs> yeah, you could definitely see where she gets it from. And like you also get yeah. the the idea that her parents don't really care about her that much either. Yeah. Yeah. Which definitely yeah. leads into that angst, that teenage angst. Um, like they only want her there when they're showing the house off to people to summon the ghosts. That's the only reason they want her there. <laughs> Come on, goth girl, do your goth girl shit. Do your goth girl <laughs> shit. And then it end like the ending, which is like bizarre, is like uh Adam and Barbara are like her pseudo parents, and like the other and then Charles and Delia live in the house still, but they don't like interact with her. Like the ghosts are just raising the kid now because they couldn't have kids. <laughs> like, it's so bizarre. Yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, you know, the ghosts are better. <laughs> just like fine, we're at the point and just accepted it. The ghosts are so much better at being parents. We might as well just let them do it. That's not going to contribute to her <laughs> angst whatsoever. Yeah, totally not. I mean, that being said, I mean, uh, the ending of this movie, I think, is like one of the best parts of this movie, which that uh, was a compliment. I mean, when that uh, song kicked in, the like shake, shake, shake Sonora song, I got goosebumps immediately. It's such an iconic, just like classic little scene right there. <laughs> yeah. And then, and when they do that in the, uh, 
or what, which one do they do? Stand up, right down the football run. When they do their first yeah. first haunting, and they're like, this is going to be a great idea. And they're like, we can sell this to people. This is fun. <laughs> this is oh, fun. Geez. This is great. We can sell this. We can profit off of this. Yeah, That's the true American way, baby. I love Tim Burton just putting that out in the fold quite like that. Um, <laughs> but really, the, like all of these performances are just great performances all around. And like so many just like iconic actors within this, where it's just like everyone just batting a hundred, right? Even Dick Cavett. <laughs> yeah, I was I was really happy when I saw Dick Cavett show up. I was like, oh, that's nice. Like he doesn't do anything. Yeah. He was there. Yeah, he, he was there in the moment. So, um, you know, as a kid, I remember I I, I didn't see this movie until like um, two years ago, and I remember the only thing I had to go off of this as a kid was I watched the Beetlejuice cartoon a lot back in the day because it used to be like right before Dexter's Lab or some shit when I was a little kid. <laughs> and it felt like such a more different vibe and just like, you know, it was like the goth kid uh, cartoon, I guess. <laughs> um, Explains so much about you, Tommy. Yeah, seriously. Well, I mean, it's one of those things that like we don't really do that uh, as much these days. Like, you know, there's not like as many like cartoon spinoffs to like fucking movies that shouldn't be cartoons. You know, like there's a RoboCop cartoon back in the day. I mean, like, <laughs> well, Tommy, Tommy, because we don't make new IP anymore. We just recycle old IP and water it down and piss off the fan base. That's that's what we do now. Well, you'd almost figure like, you know, if, if back in the 80s, John Wick would have had a cartoon spinoff, I feel like, for sure. <laughs> well, John Wick's a tricky one because John Wick is not for children in the slightest. I well, love the John Wick There's RoboCop. <laughs> ne- neither is RoboCop, but at least RoboCop is like a cop and like you could sell that to kids. Hey, this guy's yeah. this weird assassin. Here, have go nuts, kids. <laughs> have fun with this, kids. <laughs> yeah, I when you said that, I, when I was thinking like, what IP could they actually turn into like an animated cartoon for children? Like John Wick was the only like recent IP I could think of that was big enough that they could turn into. Like I'm sure on Disney Plus, there's a hundred Marvel animated kids shows. Well, that's different because that's like a different medium, and there always is Marvel cartoons back in the day. But I mean, like I know there's like Jurassic World like, kids shows on Netflix or something like that, and Jurassic Park. Um, I mean, the fact that they made a Attack of the Killer Tomatoes cartoon show for kids, like which is like an R-rated movie, it'd be almost like if they made like a Freddy Krueger thing, where it's like, what? <laughs> what you were they thinking? Like, you would. You the nights were a different vibe. You would watch that. You'd watch the heck out of that Freddy Krueger oh, animated yeah. show. Oh, I mean, trust me, I am. I mean, uh, this upcoming week, we'll, we'll probably discuss more on the pod next week, but uh, they're doing a screening of Nightmare on Elm Street near my apartment, and I can't wait. <laughs> so just in time for my birthday. <laughs> just in time for your birthday, too, dude. Yeah, that'll be fun for you. I'm happy for you, man. Yeah. Exactly. I'm not going to go because I live like a thousand miles away, but. Yeah. So I'll, I'll be good though. Um, speaking of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, apparently Heather Langenkamp, who played Nancy in Nightmare on Elm Street, was up uh, for Lydia, but she didn't want to play a goth girl. So Renault got the part instead, which for the best, let's be real. <laughs> yeah. Like this is when she came into becoming like, um, you know, one of the big girls of the early 90s, like the hottest female actresses. Um, what, what was the clip of her and the guy who plays Hopper? Um, and they they were doing like one of those interviews for Stranger Things, and she he she was like, yeah, no, I I wasn't really one of those it girls like back in the day, and he was literally like, well, what the hell are you talking about? Uh, yes, you were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she she definitely was without a doubt. <laughs> and it's it's definitely because it it try, like she always had like the goth aesthetic, and like Tim Burton movies were big ones that she was like you know some of the most iconic performances of hers. 
Like, mm. yeah, she's going to attract especially more of like a niche following that would develop crushes on her. Yeah. <laughs> because like every movie she was in was like gothic fantasies like Dracula and stuff like that. <laughs> hey, she knew how to pick a man. She has, she's, yeah. she's had a good career, an interesting career for sure. Yeah, to say the least. <laughs> to, to say the least. I am a star. I'm a star, I'm a star, I'm a star. I am a big, bright, shining star. Tommy, who is the star of Beetlejuice? Is it the self-titled character or is it somebody else? I, I, it feels weird to call it Michael Keaton, even though he's in the movie for like 15 minutes. But I feel like you have to go with Michael Keaton because, like, like I said, like when you probably walked out of the theaters in the 80s seeing this movie, the first thing you were talking about was Michael Keaton's performance. And, and there's a reason. He carries this movie um, through his little short screen time and he just brings a breath of fresh air into this movie. He just comes in like a fucking like battering ram, just going in and like batting 100 and just going amazing. Hilarious throughout. He added like 9% of his dialogue and all of it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no way it's not Michael Keaton. It was just like electric on the screen. Like it just, it, it he brought a lot of energy to a movie where, not that this movie drags, but there's points where you're just like, you're starting to get a little sleepy or whatever. And then Michael mm. Keaton just pops up at the right moment. And you're like, all right, I'm back. I'm fully back in invested in this movie. That's how mm. just crazy eccentric his performance was. And I like, I don't think like Jim Carrey could have maybe done it, but it would have been different too. Cause it would have been way more. Yes. It wouldn't like Michael Keaton brought the sleaze to the character that just sells it as this like creepy dead guy that helps people with hauntings like that that's 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 his role in the movie and i think if you didn't have that like that sleaze to him it wouldn't work it wouldn't work jim carrey would come off like too wholesome like that's what michael keaton is able to really convey there is the sleaziness of beetlejuice yeah, the fake guy wasn't the same day as Junior either because like he couldn't pull off the sleaze part of that. He would so. almost have been like 70 at this point. Yeah, it, it is a bizarre 60, choice 70, by Tim Burton. Yeah, weird, weird I'm, choice by Tim Burton. I'm, I mean, it was Tim Burton, this is Tim Burton's second movie and he definitely got like a blank check from uh, Pee-wee's Playhouse. So <laughs> he That's tried to get adventure. as much adventure. Pee-wee's, Pee-wee's Adventure. Yeah. Big adventure. Pee-wee's you, said, you said Playhouse, Tommy. Wrong. Uh, I know, I know. Wrong, wrong. wrong wrong so but yeah it was it, it's michael keaton i i mean literally everybody's kind of batting 100 here maybe not alec baldwin according to himself but everybody else is batting around 100 here and mm. it's still michael keaton he's bat, he's batting a thousand yeah <laughs> i doubt <laughs> ah, are you ready comedy partner waka waka tommy would Beetlejuice work as a Muppet adaptation and are you surprised at this point that there hasn't been a Muppet adaptation of Beetlejuice because I think this movie would work 1000% this is like total it would be, Muppets total Muppet yeah. perfection it would be amazing Muppets I mean the fact is that there's already like claymation there's already some puppets in this movie to begin with like the, the snake thing that yeah I think that was uh puppets right there but I mean like literally like the only human you, uh, person you keep as a human would be Beetlejuice himself, maybe, or maybe he, he do a Beetlejuice Muppet. No, I think you just got to keep Michael Keaton. You could replace everybody else with Muppets. You could just make it a Muppet world, and Beetlejuice is yeah. this weird guy that they deal with. Like, I think that would be perfect. Uh, yeah, 
Like <laughs> I, I'm actually surprised there hasn't been an attempt of a Muppet Beetlejuice because it would work. It would work so well. Like tone for like you don't even need to change that much. Well, at this point, this this franchise has gone different mediums. Like we were just talking about the cartoon show. There's a Broadway show of this that came out like uh, 34 years ago, and apparently is amazing and translates very well to Broadway. So, I mean, at this point, it's still iconic. I mean, I think I talked about the Edward Scissorhands uh, episode, how I went to a Tim Burton bar back in uh, December, which uh, they often have at this bar. It's like Tim Burton themed drinks, like in like Tim Burton, like themed decor all over the fucking bar and everything like that. And they'll have performers come in. Uh, when I was there, it was Jack Skeleton, but apparently some of them Beetlejuice and the guy who dressed up as Beetlejuice would come up to you and just roast you and just like fucking start making all those jokes. But this character is something that people love and, and Muppet adaptation would work amazingly. <laughs> Less. It, it would work so perfectly. Disney, like, hit us up, man. I know it's been a rough couple of years. Um, <laughs> I know man. this is a Fox. Well, is this Fox or Warner Brothers? This is Warner this Brothers. Is right? War- yeah, don't worry about it. But Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers and Disney come together for Beetlejuice specifically. Like, and Disney, I know you're struggling right now in terms of uh, Ant Man and the Wasp, uh, second lowest, second weekend of any MCU movie ever in terms of box office drop off. Woof. Yeah. Kicking off phase five with a bang, baby. All right, Tommy, review time. Give me a score to five. Uh, I think this is a very fun movie that I probably should have been watching for like my whole life. Um, you know, Tim Burton's energy obviously was always great. There's great set tech to core, just um, amazing characters right here. Michael Keaton and Manoa Ryder are especially uh, standouts right here. And the Michael Keaton performance is just perfection just amazing comedic performance right here i'm gonna go four out of five this is a really fun movie and i always like revisiting it and like i said the the ending gave me goosebumps <laughs> yeah i, I want to say i'm gonna go i think four to five as well between a three and a half and a four out of five like i think the the set design like which didn't really cover but it's it's so wacky and inventive and just engaging throughout it's a mm-hmm. nice 90 minute runtime which i love i know you love too um the performances are just incredible um, you know, not really a story centric movie, but it's fun. Like you're just gonna sit there, you're gonna watch Beetlejuice, you're gonna have a grand old time. And I'd highly recommend Beetlejuice to anybody that's never seen it before. Yeah. So Tommy, any final thoughts? Uh so Beetlejuice, this movie is celebrating actually its 35th anniversary this month. So uh, kind of crazy to think about that um but you know this was a really fun movie but anyways thank you guys so much for listening uh you can follow us on social media at scene pod that's on twitter instagram and tiktok and leave us a five-star review or you're listening apple spotify wherever you get your podcasts it really helps out the show um and you know we're coming up with our schedule for next month i think uh, the birds by alfred hitchcock is on the list <laughs> birds we might do zoolander zoolander yeah we're so we're thinking of some ones we have some good ones coming up so <laughs> get ready so thank you guys all so much for listening today we'll see you next week